From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Welcome you to this broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that will give us insights into the various aspects of our Lord's temporal ministry, from His teaching and miracles to His atoning death on the cross and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is called Covered and Protected. The text is Psalm 91 and verse 4. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Oh, a condescending simile indeed. Just as a hen protects her brood and allows them to nestle under her wings, so will the Lord defend his people and permit them to hide away in him. Have we not seen the little chicks peeping out from under the mother's feathers? Have we not heard their little cry of contented joy? In this way, let us shelter ourselves in our God, and feel overflowing peace in knowing that He is guarding us. While the Lord covers us, we trust. It would be strange if we did not. How can we distrust when Jehovah Himself becomes house and home, refuge and rest to us? This done, we go out to war in His name and enjoy the same guardian care. We need shield and buckler. And when we implicitly trust God, even as the chick trusts the hen, we find his truth arming us from head to foot. The Lord cannot lie. He must be faithful to his people. His promise must stand. This sure truth is all the shield we need. Behind it we defy the fiery darts of the enemy. Come, my soul, hide under those great wings. Lose thyself among those soft feathers. How happy thou art!
At this season of the year, the thoughts of God's people turn with special emphasis to the miracle of the Incarnation, the incomprehensible truth of Emmanuel, God with us. To assist you in meditating upon the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world, we're happy to offer a unique publication called The Twelve Days of Christmas. Written by Roger Ellsworth, an experienced minister and writer, The Twelve Days of Christmas is a small paperback book containing 24 devotions, each including a short scripture reading, several paragraphs, and a concluding to think about section that draws lines of application from the text to modern-day life. The book is intended to help the hearts and minds of believers to focus on the wonder of the Incarnation, as well as to encourage unbelievers to come in repentance and faith to Christ. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make this inspirational booklet available free of charge to our listening audience. You may have a copy simply by contacting us by phone, email, or regular mail. You may call us at 864 244 2408. That's 864 244 2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org.faithfpc.org.faithfpc.org.faithfpc.org.faithfpc.org.faithfpc.org.faithfpc.org.faithfpc.org.faithfpc.org.faithfpc.org.faithfpc.org.faithfpc.org.faithfp
We are uh, going to be looking at this more as what it teaches us about the Savior himself, as is our usual practice. So verse 14, Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and charged them that they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust." Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges." But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad." Wherefore I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come." Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Amen. The Lord will add his own blessing and to the reading of his precious word for his name's sake. It's a sobering thought that the worst demonstrations of human depravity often come from the most unexpected places. This morning, before coming out to the service, I was going through the 58th Psalm, and I noticed in the opening verses how the psalmist was struck by the same thought. Do ye indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Do ye judge uprightly, O ye sons of men? That was obviously the boast 
of the people of David's day. But he goes on to say, Yea, in heart ye work wickedness. Ye weigh the violence of your hands in the earth. You speak righteousness. But in reality, work great wickedness in the heart. Now the Jews of Christ's day would have looked for depravity in the publicans and in the sinners. And perhaps even more so in their hated heathen Roman conquerors. And there's no doubt that they wouldn't have looked in vain that they could have found evidences of great depravity in the Romans and in the publicans and sinners among the Jews. But for the blackest depths of human wickedness, what can compare with the first verse that we read today, verse 14 of Matthew chapter 12? Them, now understand the connection. The Lord Jesus Christ had just commanded a man whose hand was withered to stretch it forth. It was the Sabbath day, it was in the temple. Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. Now every other person round about was doing the very same thing. The Pharisees themselves took it for granted that they could stretch forth the hand on the Sabbath day. But when Jesus said to this man, stretch forth your hand, and that withered hand received strength, and he stretched forth his hand, and it was as whole as the other, then, verse 14, the Pharisees went out and held a council against him how they might destroy him. Now that gives us a chilling commentary on the nature of fallen man. Christ is beloved by God, but blasphemed by men. And as I thought of that, I realized that despite the fact that men hate him, Christ is the beloved of God. There's a lot of things I would like to take time to talk about there that I don't have the time. One thing that before we go any further, I would like you just to take on board, because this is a thing that very few people ever stop to appreciate. And that's the close connection between God's love and God's election. He says, this is my servant whom I have chosen. The passage that he quotes from, from Isaiah 42, actually calls him mine elect. Matthew says he's my beloved And that connection between beloved and chosen is all important. God loved him, and therefore he chose him for this office. The same thing is true when you're dealing with the people of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, you find this emphasis on God's people being the objects of divine love and therefore the objects of divine choice. Some people, and this is a big, big subject that I really will not try to get into, but some people misrepresent the teaching of God's Word on the decree of election as if it were some decree from 
a God of small mind, small heart, a God who's acting out of bitterness and anger and hatred. This is the lie of the devil. The very opposite is the case. The decree of God's election is the greatest possible proof that sinners can have that God has a heart of love. He loves and therefore he chooses. Why he loves, I cannot explain. I've often given you the example that Willie Mullen, the great Baptist preacher, gave years ago. He was not the first to be asked the question and answer it in the same way by any means. He just happened to be the preacher that I, as a young man, heard say he was asked this. Mr. Mullen, could you possibly explain to me the words of Romans chapter 9? where God says, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Willie Mullen looked at the young fellow and said, I'm sorry, I can't explain that. That puzzles me too. And the young fellow brightened up. It's always ha happy for a young fellow to realize, if I don't know it, I'm at least uh, not as stupid as I thought when I find a great preacher doesn't know it. And Willie Mullen was certainly a great preacher. He said, well, I'm glad you don't understand it. It just puzzles me how God could hate Esau. Willie looked at him and said, son, that doesn't puzzle me in the slightest little bit. What I don't understand is how God could ever love Jacob. That God would hate a sinner like me and damn me to the deepest hell. I have no difficulty understanding but that a holy God would love this. Willie used to like to talk of himself as a vile reptile of a sinner. That God could ever love this vile reptile of a sinner is more than I can ever understand. He loves, therefore he chooses. And certainly that was the case with the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe it or not, I have now got to the place that I should have got to a long time ago to what really is the message for today without going up all the side alleys. Despite the hatred of men, Christ is beloved of God in three ways, and I'll only mention them. First, as the servant of God. I like this. Behold my servant. This is the Son of God in his humiliation. This is him having laid aside the resplendent robes of glory. This is him having laid aside his eternal invisibility. This is the Son of God come in the flesh in humiliation. In form and fashion of a man. Man despised him in that state. The Jews rejected him in that state. They wanted a Messiah, but they wanted a Messiah of a different kind. They wanted a soldier. They wanted a statesman. They wanted somebody who would get out into the streets, who would raise the people in the streets. They 
have no time for this one who would come and would not raise his voice in the streets, who would not raise the rabble, who would not lead a revolution, but who came to be a redeemer. They rejected such a one, despised him. But then the Father loved him. I'm delighted in him. And he particularly delighted in his obedience even unto death. We have often read those words of Philippians 2 which speak of the mind of Christ who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, etc. But right down, there are steps, there are seven steps right down to the depths of Christ's humiliation. And then there are seven steps up in his exaltation. But notice what verse 9 says. Having plumbed the depths of his humiliation, wherefore God hath highly exalted him. Why did God exalt him? Because he was delighted with his humiliation. He was delighted with his service of obedience unto death. It's a huge subject, Christ, the faithful servant. I will not try to pursue it this morning, but for that God loved him. Second, God loved him as the Savior of sinners. He anointed him with the Spirit of God. I will put my Spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. The Father endowed him with all necessary gifts and all the graces of the Holy Ghost for his work. As we read, he gave the Spirit without measure unto him. And he sent him to declare judgment. It's a huge term. Most modern translations, or many of them, Say it means justice. There are a couple of texts where you, that would seem to be the force of the word. Some other people say it means he declared himself to be the judge and the mediatorial king. I suppose I can see that too. But you know, when the Lord Jesus declared judgment, for example, in John 12, when he declared, now is the judgment of this world, that's what he came to declare. The judgment and it was God's verdict on man's sin. He came to speak of what God was going to do with sin. Ah, but here's the beauty of it. He came to show what God would do with sin by letting it be seen first in himself. And I believe when he came declaring judgment... He came declaring, for example, the message that he gave to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. He says, indeed, here is God's judgment on sin, but ere it reaches the sinner, it reaches me, the Savior. My, what a glorious thing that in announcing judgment, he announced the grace of salvation. God loved him as the Savior of sinners.
You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. 